rise against me, but I will hold my I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way.
Somebody likes that one. There we go.
tonight, Lord, we just give you so much thanks and praise for who you are. We thank you that even though um, today we've enjoyed so much uh, nice sunny weather, it's been hot, but God, we just thank you that I'm, I'm always reminded these days that it says, as the rain and snow fall from heaven, so does my word uh, fall upon you, and it, it, it doesn't fall void, it brings life and it brings fruit in, for this world. So God, we just pray that as your word flows through song, whether it's in our Haven kids, whether it's in the message or what have, have you, Lord, that you will just bring, um, just bring growth and new life into each of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. All right, look at uh, two people and say, good seeing you today on this rainy day, and our kids can head to Haven Kids. faces, a lot of repeat faces. Welcome to all the new faces today and girls bringing their friends. We're just so excited about y'all. Um, welcome to Haven. And uh, I'm going to start out today with uh, a few praises because I like to be happy, you know, and then we'll pray for other things. Um, our youth group, they're making emergency bags today for the homeless. Let's give them a hand and thank Tammy for bringing all the supplies. Where are you, Tammy? You must be in another room. Hi, Karen. Um, and congratulations are in order for Jack and Melissa and for Jacob and Katie who have become engaged. And Jack's smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> Actually, he's going to throw a balloon of water at me. So, uh, And beautiful weather, as Jack said. Holy moly, thank you, Jesus. Ten degrees lower today. And I'm glad I'm not in California. 130, I don't think I could do it. Um, and Bernie, gotcha. I got in trouble last week because I forgot to say she was here, but she's back again, and we love her. Love you, Bernie. <laughs> and a shout-out to all my friends who are listening, and I check in with them weekly, and they do love online church. They love seeing the back of your heads. Um, but they are very happy, and they're just praising God from their home, and we're just glad to have them out there, okay? Um, today I've got a lot of prayers that we're going to lift. 
um, Lisa's friend Ron, who's been coming here, um, he is having an eye transplant tomorrow. So we really want to lift him in prayer because um, I know he's carrying a lot of fear with that surgery. So we're going to pray and lift him. Patty uh, would like us to pray for her pr friend Debbie, who just found out she has a very fast-growing cancer. So we want to lift her in prayer. Nancy, her son-in-law, just had um, his work had some hours cut. We want to um, pray that those hours come back and that things work out for his family. Lisa Osborne, Uncle Doc. Where are you, Lisa? She's hiding. Oh, in the back. Um, he passed away, and uh, we want to be with that family in prayer. Um, Sue Campbell, uh, one of the a member of our church. Um, she's in a really dark place right now and really suffering, and I, I want us to all lift her because she can't wait to come back to church, but we all need to be lifting her and helping her in her fight. Um, Scott Arrow has asked us to live, lift up Casey Watson and her husband, um, who's in treatment for stage four cancer. Did I get that right? Okay, okay. And um, today after church, I'm gonna ask all my prayer warriors to come up front because we're gonna pray for Wes today and we're gonna put the power of God in his body for healing. And we love him and we want him to know that we wanna do hands-on for your healing today, okay? Robin Holabowski, Tess went well, yay. Um, and Ed and Gay Ann, we're supposed to be here today with dad, but I don't see him yet, so he will be moving back here, so let's keep praying for them as caregivers because they got a lot going on. And Jen, has shared Benjamin's going to have three wisdom teeth taken out by frozen peas and corn. It works the best on keeping that from hurting. Um, and he's also been a little bit down, so let's pray for him. And Holly, um, for her dad, we want to continue healing prayers for her dad and for some unspoken prayers, because I know each of us has a few unspoken prayers, so let's, let's keep them out there. And how do we pray here at Haven Community Church? put our hands on our knees and yeah that's me i just do that we do that because we're going to give it to god whatever you woke up with on your heart this morning give it to god good the bad the ugly give it to him pray for that healing pray for that financial situation pray for your loved ones in our study one month to live it really plays with your mind and makes you realize the value of your life. Pray for others. Do good to others every day. One act of kindness can save someone's life you don't know. You just don't know. So now we're going to lift our hands, and we're going to accept God's graces. We're going to accept his love, his healing, the fact that he just listens to us when we have something to pour out. God's got it. So you make sure you give it to him, and you be willing to open the doors in your ears and hear him when he gives you his salvation. I want to pray for those that couldn't be here today, that are on vacation. Yay. I want to pray for my friend Marge, who isn't in the front row because her legs are hurting, and I always know that when she's not here, her legs are hurting, so we're going to lift her in prayer. But I want everybody here this week to go out one thing for me, pay it forward. One act of kindness, pay it forward. Because they are still coming back to me. I'm hearing all the good things you all are doing, and we love it.
In Jesus' name, I pray for these things. Amen. How we doing? Good. Last time I depressed you with that, okay? Just to let you know, that's our last one um, of that today. So um, we are um, in our series, our last week of One Month to Live, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. The other thing um, I do want to look at, we have several of those uh, announcements there. One of the things was, and we haven't said much about it, Grief Share will begin on the 14th, correct, at 6.30. Um, that's a month, is that Monday evening? Monday evenings, and that's just a great, um, a great ministry. Everybody who has been part of that has talked about how valuable that is, and so um, be looking for that, or if you want to connect w- with that, um, please go ahead and check that out. Vacation Bible School, um, August 7th through the 11th. Can you believe that? We're already talking about August, and we're here, um, and so we have several of those, and then we have a few more weeks in our One Month to Live study. We also know that um, if you really want to um, get into some good stuff. I know that the Wednesday morning uh, study is doing um, uh, the screw tape letters, which was written by C.S. Lewis. Um, and you guys know him from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all that stuff. Um, so if you want to, um, but he's a, a, an amazing apologist who at one point was, was an atheist and um, just an amazing, amazing guy. So um, several of those things. All right, everybody good? You don't have anywhere to go. It's raining today, so I know it's women. Um, but uh, in, 19, in 1888, anybody remember? Um, in 1888, uh, the Swedish chemist who made a fortune by inventing and producing dynamite was reading a newspaper. And the newspaper had got something mixed up. His brother, no, uh, this person's brother had died, and they mixed it up with him. So he was reading his own obituary. Imagine that. I, I remember some people used to say they get up and read the obituaries to see if they're still alive. He found out he wasn't. And they messed it up. It was a French newspaper. And the, the a title of the article read, The Merchant of Death is Dead. How would you like to read that about yourself? 
They went on to describe this man who had become wealthy by inventing something that helped people kill each other. Well, this person's name was Alfred Noble. And Noble was shaken to the core to see this appraisal of his life as the merchant of death. So from that moment on, he vowed that he, for the rest of his life and his time on earth, he would use every bit of his time, his money, his resources, whatever he had to change his legacy. And eight years later, Nobel died, and he had given away $9 million in the 1800s to fund awards to help people who were benefiting humanity. You know him as the founder of the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's what he's done year, he did year after year, and we still do it to this day. Nobel's had an amazing opportunity to see his obituary before himself. So I ask you, if you saw your obituary based off of how others saw you, what would that look like? What would that title be? But when he got an opportunity to see that, it became such a blessing as he decided for the rest of his life to use his time, his money, his resources, his talents, his connections to give back to something that truly, truly mattered. And that's not just him, that's every one of us. God has placed within every one of us, in our hearts, a desire to live a life that outlasts us. But the problem is we get so distracted by life. We forget this one thing, that our time on earth is limited. I don't know about you, but the last several years, with COVID and everything else, what it really did to me is show how you, you can be living life and then in a moment be gone. Many people that we've, we love, and, and you know, I remember when COVID first started, the thing was, when we, the shock was, oh, I know somebody who has it. You remember that? And then you remember, oh, my gosh. Then it changed in a year or two. I know somebody who passed away from it. Anybody? And it just changed on us. And we were like, wow, this is affecting us in amazing ways. Now, I'm going to give you a very powerful statement. And um, I don't know if it's fitting for a day like today. But here's the statement. You and I are dying. You like that? Um, we, are, we are dying. That's exciting, isn't it? Did you, did you like to hear that? And it's very encouraging. You're like, Jack, I, I came to church for that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're dying, every one of us. Um, and, but it is a powerful and encouraging statement when we see that. Um, Pope Paul VI, I think he was uh, during the 60s and early 70s, he said this uh, quote, which I think is powerful. Somebody should tell us right at the start of our lives that we are dying. Then we might live life to the limit every minute of the day. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing to have such a quote? It's only when we face the truth that our life on earth is limited and that, um, that we can truly live life to the limit. Instead of letting that fear of, lo- of the fact that we're going to die one day paralyze us. I know people who've been so afraid to die, they stay locked up in a, in a house all the time. I can think of nothing more torturous than to, a waste of life than to do that. We've got to stop waiting to die and start living today. And so as we're looking at this, we're in this One Month to Live series and challenge where we, we've been challenging you to take 30 days or the, the, a month and say to live like you had one month to live. Not because you're going to die in a month, but because, God willing, you'll live many, many more months and years um, in your life and that you'll make an impact in each of those. So I hope, this, I hope this series is not just a series that goes, but I hope that we continue to ask ourselves and it becomes part of not a one-month-to-live challenge or series, that it becomes part of a one-month-to-live lifestyle that we look at each and every day and we go, wow, if I had one month to live, what would I do differently? What would be the things that really matter? Would I do this or would I do that? Would I say this or would I say that? And it, what it does is it really gives clarity on what's important in our lives.
So we have, we're concluding the series here today, and then we're going to have two more weeks because we had um, the, uh, the holiday in there with 4th of July in our Tuesday uh, small group. So we're going to meet this Tuesday, at, and, and if you haven't been at all, just feel free to come. Um, we have materials for you, and we'll meet at 6.30. But these four principles that we've been dealing with mainly, the first one is to live passionately. And if you missed any of these, you can go back, or you, you can see a QR code in front of you if you're not in the front aisle that, is, um, that has our, our church app, and it has all kinds of things that are on there. So we want to live passionately. The next one was love completely, and that, that's a tough one, isn't it, to love completely. Last week, we talked about to learn humbly, and today we're going to deal with the final uh, principle in the One Month to Live challenge, and this is where the rubber really hits the road. And what we're going to do, we're going to focus on how to leave a bold legacy, how to leave a bold legacy, um, how to leave boldly. So everyone desires to have a lasting imprint on life. We all want to have something last. We all want to be more than just a little blurb, and that's it. We want to be remembered for something that outlives us a legacy that's remembered, something that makes a difference. So I'm deciding now, because I have a joke for you, and you guys have not been joke-worthy the last couple weeks, because they were funny and you didn't laugh. Um, so what do you think? Are you ready today? You ready to laugh? Okay, so we're going to test you out. If not, you failed, okay? Um, there was a, a couple from Minneapolis, and it was a, a bad, bad winter. And so they decided to get away and to go to Florida to thaw out. So they... They had made plans, at, and they were going to uh, go to the same hotel that they spent their honeymoon in 20 years earlier. But because their schedules were so hectic, because of work and other kinds of things, it was difficult to coordinate the same travel, because one was working here, one was traveling for work there. So they decided that they would meet down there, and the husband said, well, I'll go first, make sure everything's good. You can come down right after. I said, okay, no problem. So the husband flew down, went to the hotel, and got checked in, and... He looked, and there was a computer in his room. And so he decided to send his wife an email. However, he couldn't remember email address. And so he, he remembered the best he could, and he put it all down, but he left out and messed up one, one letter. Somewhere in Houston, there, a widow had returned from her husband's funeral. He was a minister who had died very suddenly, and... So she had been to the funeral and, had, and was in that last couple that days of, of the funeral and everything. And after reading the first um, message, she looked at her emails, checked to see about family and friends would say. And she looked at them, and after she read the first email, she yelled out a big scream and fainted to the floor. Her son ran in, saw the there and was going, what's going on here? And he looked up and he saw this on the screen, and he saw an email. And it said this. To my loving wife, subject, I've arrived. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. And you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and checked in, and I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine. P.S., it sure is really hot down here. There you go. You passed. You're worthy of it. All right. There we go. All right. See, yeah, you're back. Yeah, here we go. Um, can you imagine? All right. You know, this is kind of, this is life. Um, and, and we look at life. What legacy do we want to leave? 
what do we, what do we want to give that outlasts us? Because when we look at it, one way or the other, probably the most is maybe three or four generations that know us at all, in all of existence. Think about that. Grandparents, great-grandparents, down to you, and then the other way, and that's it. Like when you look back, if you want to see something really weird, go back in your genealogy and see how close you are to the Civil War. It's pretty amazing. I remember um, Dad used to say they would have Silver Star uh, services when he first was a pastor with people who, um, who were, uh, you know, in, in the Civil War and World War I and things like that. Um, there was very few of them, but that happened. Rabbi Harold Kushner said this, I am convinced that it is not the fear of death of our lives ending that haunts us, our sleep so much, as the fear that as far as the world is concerned, we might as well have never lived. The fear that we just won't be remembered. The fear that we're here and then we're gone and nobody, nobody knows anything. And, you know, I was thinking, because, you know, it's, um, I've seen a lot of people uh, vacationing at the beach and everything else. Real quick, who has ever built a sandcastle? Anybody? How many of you are, like, really ornate? How many of you just, like, grab the little bucket thing and turn it over, all right? Okay. Um, so, but, like, I, I remember, like, when my kids were little, or, because I don't like sand, but um, I, I think they should put putting greens on the beach, but that's my own thing. But, but, like, I remember, like, you're digging in, and then you build this big mound, and you have it all up, and then the big cool thing was to reach in and dig the tunnel underneath. Anybody done that? And, and all that kind of stuff. And you'd work, and, and we had this, these friends from Ohio who taught us how to, you know, take like mud and water, sand and water, and make these little castle things up. And it was just gorgeous, and it looked really cool. And, and then, you know, it's, you do all this work, and you, you're taking half a day to do it, and you're spraying the kids down with sunscreen. Um, back in the day, you had to lather them up. You remember how horrible that was? Now you just spray them down. But you're doing all this, and then you leave, and you come back the next day, and all that work and all that together, the tide comes in and just moves it away, and it may, you may be lucky if there's a mound there. And I think... The reality is that many of us feel that's the same way that we have our, in our lives. And we may feel like every day, at the end of the day, we are just living sandcastle lives, that the tide comes in of life and just wipes it away. However, what's really happening and what we really need to embrace is that we're not building things for here, but we're building things for eternity. For, that we're, we're paying stuff forward to eternity. And everything that you do for here in this life gets washed away, but the things that you do in this life get built up for eternity. The important things that you do build up for eternity because you're building a lasting legacy. God has placed this deep desire in all of our hearts to make a lasting mark on the earth, and every one of us has this lasting, this, this lasting legacy within us and a desire to have that. And so our verse today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this, but each of you should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. If any man or any person builds a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. What this is talking about at this point, it's actually talking about the judgment seat of, of Christ. And what scripture tells us is at the end of all this, there are two judgments in eternity. And there's the, the first one, which is for all those who rejected Jesus. And it's called 
the great white throne judgment. And everyone who rejects Jesus as Savior and Lord and his offer of salvation will face the great white throne of judgment. Jesus will sit on, what is he going to sit on? Oh, you guys are good. The great white throne. And every person that rejected Jesus will get to see absolutely everything they did in their lives. It would be like two big screens here, much bigger, probably a lot more of them, and seeing your life. Now, I want to tell you, that's enough to get me to accept Jesus if everybody in all of humanity and all of, all of eternity is going to see what I've done in my life. What about you? Anybody excited about that? And here we have Jack, and be like, no, 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 right? Um, we have that. Can you just imagine seeing everything you've done in your life being shown? Anything that you thought about? Anything at all. Can you just imagine that? Your sins, your thoughts, uh, all the wrong motives, all, even the good things as well. For some of you, you may, you may say, oh, 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 I haven't been bad, but oh, gosh, there was that time in high school. You, that would come up. Uh, you, and it's, it's for people who rejected Jesus, and it's for the people who say, you know, what you're really saying, if, if you don't need Jesus, you're saying, I'm good enough to get to heaven myself, and nobody is. Or you're just saying, I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about Christianity. It's all crap. But the Bible actually tells us that their own sins will condemn them. And I know some of us are really nervous right now thinking about that. Um, like for me, if my life was on there, that'd be a horror. Uh, it'd be a, like a, a comedy and a horror, um, both in that for sure. And some of you may be having a panic attack. However, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, you get to skip that judgment. And everybody who's a believer in Jesus said, whew. Right? Here we go. All right, the ones who didn't say that, get the popcorn, all right? Um, but anyway, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to. You know why you don't have to face that judgment? Because Jesus already paid the judgment price for you on the cross. And by your acceptance for him, this is why it's really good. So I'm giving you a whole bunch of reasons. Yes, accept him because he's king of kings. Yes, because he's Lord of lords. Yes, because you need his grace to get into heaven. But ultimately, Nobody gets to see all your stuff in heaven but the Lord. That's the only one. He forgives it and forgets it. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And, and so uh, if you're excited about that, can I get a good amen? amen. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? Can I get a praise God? Praise God. The people that were louder, you just really have some good stuff on that reel, don't you? All right? But it's a relief. There is another judgment, and that judgment is for believers in Christ, and this is called the judgment seat of Christ. It's not whether or not you get into heaven because that's already been paid for. That you already had that through your relationship with Christ. It's been taken care of in the cross. But what it is, it's about your rewards in eternity. It's about what you did in this life to pay it forward into heaven. And it's, it's not a sin test, it's a service test. And so the question will be, what did you do with your one and only life that has eternal value? Did you build anything with your life that's going to last long after you haven't in this world? Because every moment of the day, whether you like it or not, we are building something. Are we building it for eternity, or is it just going to go up in smoke? So how do I build something that lasts? How do I build something that brings eternal fulfillment? Well, we're going to break down this passage with three main things. There's a lot of different things going on in here. So I'm going I'm to hit it on, um, on speed and take off. Um, Kick into a higher gear, and we're going to share three main things with some other things underneath there, okay? You ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Number one, a bold legacy comes from the convictions in my life. Convictions in my life. 
If I want to see that, I, I see I, my legacy through convictions in my life. In 1 Corinthians, that first verse says this. It says, but each of you should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation you can build your life on that is eternal, and that is on Jesus Christ. If the foundation of your life is uncertain and it shifts and changes, well, guess what? Think of it as a house. If somebody said, hey, I built your foundation, I built your house, but here's the problem. Your foundation will shift and change according to the day. Are you going to be excited about building it, being in a house? No, because when the foundation shifts, so does the rest of the house. And if, if, if we don't have our, our lives rooted in Jesus Christ, then for, for this life and eternity, whatever comes along is going to shake that house and that foundation. Um, a conviction is a foundational truth that you're willing to stake your life on and eternity on. Your convictions are the source of a lasting legacy. And convictions, where do they come from? If they're going to last for eternity, they have to come from he who is eternal, the Lord, from God himself and from God's word. God's word is truth, and it's truth for today. It was truth a thousand years ago. It will be truth a thousand years from now. Um, pop psychology, pop sociology, all that stuff changes. Um, styles and trends tend to come and go. Anybody ever, anybody ever pulled out your high school yearbook and looked at your senior picture? Imagine if you put that on. Some of you wore leisure suits with ruffles, correct? Correct? If you went to some place with the ruffles and the leisure suit, people and the big bell bottoms and powder blue, some people would be like, what's going on there? Or you may be starting a new trend. Who knows? And somebody would pick it back up. Remember the other year when bell bottoms came in and people called them flared pants? No, they're bell bottoms, right? Um, so we had those things. So basically... God's word lasts and stands forever. So that's where my convictions for eternity need to come from. It's, a conviction is not something you hold on to. A conviction is something that holds on to you when everything else is shaken. I'm going to say that again because that's really cool and that was better than your response. Uh, a conviction is not something that you hold on to. It's something that holds on to you no matter what the circumstances are. All right? And so my question to you is this. Do you have any convictions in life? If you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. And that's what's been told. Most people today, I find out, don't have convictions. They just trust where the wind blows. They just go with this group one day and that group another day. They just believe this one day and one, the other thing another day. But what about you? Do you have any core convictions from God's word? And I was thinking about this, and I said, uh, I want to provide just a few convictions that I believe are the basis for Haven Church. And that come from God's word. And I just wanted to share uh, a few of those. So I'm going to give you a couple of those in a rundown. And so here we go. Number one, we believe life is short. Life is short. Um, and our days are counting down, so we better make our days count. The second thing is we believe eternity is long. It's eternal. You were made for eternity. You are an eternal being in a finite body. One day your heart will stop beating. One day you will stop breathing. But the real you will live on. You keep living on for eternity because you were made for eternity. Um, Jill and I had the, the blessing, I'm going to say, to be with our grandmother, our mom, and our dad at the moment they passed. And if anybody's had that blessing, I'm going to tell you it is a blessing, particularly for those, for those who, who know the Lord, is um, this person that you've known your whole life. When they die... Their body may be there, but you can feel they are gone. 
Anybody ever had that opportunity? They are gone. And it's a joy. It's a joy that you know for those. Jill and I were sitting there when dad passed, and we're going, yes, you made it. And somebody might have been like, what is wrong with them? You know, um, but we were excited for him because that was a journey of 80 years. And really of 70 when he had died, we pronounced dead in arrival when he was 10 years old. And so we were excited for him because we recognized that that was just boom, and he was on to another journey in the fullness of life that God had for us. And eternity is long. And so one day you're going to walk through the door of this life to the other side. It may be the other side, maybe 60 or 70 or 90 years from now. But the other side, a billion, 100 billion years is just the beginning because time doesn't matter there. And it's hard for us to grasp that because we get so distracted by life and, and temporal. I mean, there's not going to be any Apple Watches in heaven. Amen. Right? There's not going to be any calendars. There's not going to be anything that we have to worry about. Oh, my schedule. He's like, I think I'm going to eat today. You know, I think I'm going to worship God and eat. This is awesome. Right? You're gonna, this is part of what we're going to have. The other thing that we believe is eternity is long. We believe heaven and hell are real. Many people, sadly, in the Christian church do not believe hell is a reality. And I want to tell you this. Here's my way to say that. Jesus talked about it. Jesus said it. So if Jesus said it, I believe it. And if you're a Christian and you're challenging, but Jesus said, good luck. So we, I believe heaven and hell are real. And, and it's, it's extremely real. And we need to recognize that we are going to spend eternity on once in one area or the other, as, a, as an evangelist friend of mine used to say, in, with reservations, smoking or non-smoking. We get to choose that way. Um, we believe that grace is available for everyone. John 3.16, probably the most quoted verse in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Everybody say whoever. whoever. Everybody say whoever. whoever. You know what whoever means in the Greek? Whoever. That's what it means. It means whoever. Whoever does what? Whoever believes in him. Whoever believes in Jesus. Um, it means that, the great, that God's grace is not just for those who are wealthy. It's not just for someone with a socioeconomic level that's at the top. It's not for those in the really good countries. It's not for those in the really poor countries. It's not for those with just amazing talent. God's grace is available for whoever. And that is everybody. Ordinary people like me and you. Messed up people like you and me, all right? Um, Jesus died for everyone. He died for every race and every nationality. He loves the children of Northeast Asia as much as he loves the children of Northeast Maryland. He died for prostitutes, pimps, preachers, politicians, presidents, beggars, billionaires, doctors, drug addicts. Christ died for the homeless and the housewives. He died for the Republicans and Democrats. He died for independents and libertarians and everything else in between. He died for absolutely everyone. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we need to embrace and recognize in our life, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters that his blood ran down the cross for everyone. Because it said, for God so loved the world. Not America. The world. The world. He loves everyone. That whosoever believes receives his grace. Next one, we believe that we can change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and we need to be world changers for Christ. And that is a legacy that continues. We believe that life is a preparation for eternity. And if we believe that, if you don't understand that, you're really going to be frustrated in life. 
You're not going to know what's going on most of the time. You're not going to understand. You're going to be filled with frustration. The stress will really get to you if you don't understand that this is all a preparation for eternity. C.S. Lewis, who I mentioned that the Wednesday group is, uh, is doing a study of the screw tape letters, said this. He said, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for our happiness, you will find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and then it's not so bad. All right? What, a, what an amazing man with, with the things he said. We can't think of, if you think of this world as making you happy, you are going to be really unhappy. But you realize that's a preparation. It starts to make sense. Number two, first one, a bold legacy comes from convictions in my life. Number two, a bold legacy comes from character built during my life. God cares about your character. Even though nobody else does, God cares about your character. Why? Because your character is eternal. And so he's building character on earth. But God uses three main tools in order to build our character. Are you ready for these? Here's these three main tools. He uses problems. God uses problems. Look at the person next to you and say, God uses problems. Why? Because problems always have a purpose. Sometimes God allows little problems that they kind of just rub off the rough edges of your character. I was thinking the other day, I, um, last year I bought a, uh, what is it, a weed eater? I bought one um, that was uh, battery powered, and it's broken now, but anyway. Um, and they're trying to fix it, and it's broken again. Um, but the reason why I bought it, any, anybody ever done, used a, like a regular weed eater with a pulled tab? Anybody, I really hate mixing gas and oil. Anybody with me? I really hate using a pull chain. I mean, these are first world problems. I get it, right? Um, I really, I hated the old time we had to string and go like this, you know. I, so I got one that does this. And I was thinking about how many times going, boom, 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 boom. And I just took the thing and threw it, right? I just threw it because that's a little thing in the grand scheme of things that I threw. Why? Because I'm so agitated when I'm, it could have been worse. I could have had a sickle going, and I probably would have thrown the sickle, too, you know? Um, that's how we are uh, in, in life. And so those little things kind of show the rough edges of my character. And you'll be glad I did not throw the battery ones. Um, but other times, God allows huge problems to happen. When he gets out the jackhammer and starts really chipping away those huge chunks in our life character where he's saying, this has got to go. Boom, 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 boom. And I, we've always talked about don't pray for patience. Because if you pray for patience, God is going to give you something to be patient about. And that's not always fun. It's like God does not open up the heavens and go, oh, now you're patient. Those are fruits of the Spirit. And you don't plant seeds in the ground, and all of a sudden, one day you go, wow, look at that, a whole apple tree. No, it takes time, it takes nourishment, you've got to keep the bugs away, you've got to do all that stuff. That's what the fruits of the Spirit are as well. And the first one is love. And so you wonder why it's hard to love people? Because God is developing fruit in you. And there's some people who are problematic. Next thing that he uses is he uses pressures. We learn patience under pressure. The most Christ-like people I've ever known, those who were under tremendous pressure in their lives. Because pressure always brings out two things, the best in us and the worst of us. The third thing that he uses is pain. Natural pain and suffering, and then there is moral or intentional pain and suffering, which is caused by our choices or by others. Every one of us has made a choice or two, or 200 that have caused us pain, correct? Um, if, you, if you don't believe me, 
don't accept Jesus when we get to heaven. I'll look at your, your movie on the screen. But anyway, every one of us has made a choice that has affected and brought pain upon our lives. We also have had people in our lives that are hard to love, people that are difficult, people that have brought an intense amount of pain into our lives. They could be people within our own families. They could be people that we love. They could be people that we love so much we can't stand because we don't like them at all. There are people in our lives, I'm going to tell you a secret, there are people in our lives that irritate us. They get under our skin. They know how, any, you know somebody who knows how to push your buttons? I heard somebody once say they're, they're heavenly sandpaper. Because sandpaper takes away the rough edges and, and, and gets this. Now, some of them may be sitting next to you. Don't look at them. Um, I don't want to cause a fight right here. Um, you can do it later when you get home or at dinner or maybe just keep your mouth shut, all right? But God uses these three tools, problems, pressures, and pain, in order to, to, to really work out some of these rough edges and to build character. I wish I could tell you there's not going to be any more problems or pain or pressures in your life. But I, I'm not going to do that because if I did and then you left here and you had those, you would blame me and say, oh, that's a problem now. Um, but life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is painful. Life is problematic. Life is filled with pressure. And we have those things. You know why? Because we ain't heaven yet. We aren't in heaven yet. We haven't crossed over yet. And so we have those things in, in our lives. Um, but it's all a preparation for eternity. And if we are preparing for eternity, if life is a preparation for eternity, we have to make the most of it here and not waste time. And did you know there's two things that you can't do in heaven if you're a follower of Christ? Anybody want to know those two things? Okay. The first thing is sin. You cannot sin in heaven. You don't have a desire to sin anymore. And some of you are like, okay, well, I better start sinning really good right now. Um, some of you have already done pretty well, uh, if you're like me. But that's, uh, that's not biblical. Um, but that's the first thing you can't do. You're not, you're not going to be able to sin. You don't have a desire. It's not there. And the second thing is, you won't have an opportunity to share your faith. You never think about that. Everyone will be Christ followers, and you'll be like, hey, do you know Jesus? Say, yeah, how do you think I got here? Hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I've been here. Sorry, I did that. You know, we're all going to be there and know Christ. And so our only chance in existence to get those that we love to know about Jesus is to tell them in the here and now. We can't wait till then because it's too late. And so my, my question is, are you willing to bring hope to those who are hurting? Are you willing to bring Jesus to people? Are you willing to say, hey, there's a Savior, and this life is a mess. This world is a mess, and there is one who loves you so much because you are whoever and whosoever. Are you showing the love of Christ and sharing the love of, uh, of God? That's why Jesus, in the Great Commission, the last thing he said before he went to heaven was this, and it says this in Matthew chapter 28. It says, then Jesus came to him. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The last thing somebody says is really important. And the last thing Jesus said was, go to people, tell them about me, teach them about me, and guess what? You're not alone. I'm going to be there with you. That's our purpose. Our purpose. If your job is to make widgets, how are you going to tell where you're doing business well? 
you guys, I'm not going to start business with you. I can tell that right now. Um, how many widgets you sell and how, how well it is. How do we know? How do we know how good we are as Christians? How is the Lord, what is one of the ways that we're storing up stuff in eternity? By how many people we go and share the love of Christ with. How many people go ahead and know Jesus intimately and know him as their Savior and Lord and can say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. Right? How many people in your life are you going to say thank you for giving the Lord to me and sharing the Lord to me? I've got numerous people in my life. Who's saying that about you? And that's the question we need to ask if we want to store up something for eternity. Why does Haven Church do what we do? Why do we spend so much time and energy and resources to a place in Gracie, Haiti, where some of you have never met, except for probably Pastor Oog is your friend on Facebook, because he's friends of everybody's. Um, why have we gone to Haiti when we were allowed to get in there and sweat and work with Wawash, which means giant rocks and their nightmares, but do that and work with the poorest of the poor. Why do that? Why do we have a, a Danny Pilkington fund, which you can give to at any time, and that all goes to help people who are struggling within our community in a number of, of ways? Why do we do those and other things? Why do we do Operation Christmas Child? Why do we do Thanksgiving, even during a time of COVID when nobody else was doing anything? Why do we do that and all these other things? You ready for the answer? Because Jesus told us to. That's simple. God told us to. He said, you can't do it and make a lasting impact if you don't do what I say. And so he tells us to. And when you start doing what God tells you to do, you start showing the love of Christ. I've been very honest that I did not, that going to Gracier, Haiti was the last thing on my mind. It was because my daughter went, and Melissa said, you're going. I said, okay. I didn't want to go. I had a lot of different reasons. I told you I didn't want to be a missionary. I like air conditioning, right? But God sent me there, and I received so much more than I've ever given. And I do all the time. Why? Because God chiseled away at my hardness and my heart and my, what I thought mattered to me, and he showed me something that matters so much more than I am. And I want to just thank, say thank you to everybody else who has given and continues to give. You have changed an entire community and area by your giving and support. A place that had a well and, and no way to get the water up except for a five-gallon bucket now has a church, has a school that is packed with young kids in an area where um, in, in Haiti where gangs are running the country and running amok you have been able to be a light for Jesus Christ in an area and see people come to know the Lord and change people's lives through food, through outreach, and he does so much awesome stuff that our youth group now connects with your, their youth group. Uh, what, what do they have in common? Nothing but Jesus, and that's everything. And that's amazing. So you guys should be really proud of yourselves and thankful that you continue to give and give um, in an amazing way. So we, we do something that makes a difference. Um, Number three, a bold legacy is expressed by the contribution of my life. Scripture tells us this, that you are God's masterpiece. Look at your second choice that you didn't look at first and say, you are God's masterpiece. All right. You're God's masterpiece. God does not create a masterpiece to be put on the wall and everybody go, oh, that's a masterpiece. He doesn't do that. He creates us for a purpose. He creates a masterpiece to use us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay that shows us 
this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. There are two types of people in the world, givers and takers. No one is remembered for what they've taken out of life, but people who give are remembered fully. So what is your contribution? What is your uniqueness? There is no one else like you ever in the history of the world. Amen. Go ahead. You better say amen, too. We're going to say amen to that, too, as well. Um, but you are unique. There is no one, like, there, there, you, are, you are not one in a million. Uh, you are one in eight billion. And we could <laughs> add up all the people that were ever in humanity. You are one in all that. There is no one ever in the history of the creation of the world that is as unique as you are. No one. <laughs> God created you. He knits you together. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. No one else has your fingerprints. No one else has your voice. No one else has your footprint. No one else has your DNA. There is no one like you and never has been. <laughs> and if you aren't you, the world misses out on you. God created you uniquely for a purpose that only you can bring. It is you that God wants. It is you that God wants you to give back to the world so that many others can come to know him. It's your uniqueness. It's your giftedness. It's your talents. It's your resources. It's your time. It is you that God wants. So what are you contributing? What will be the contribution of your life? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, If any man builds his foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... <coughs> His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed by fire, like forged and tested, and it will test the quality of each person's work. That's one reason God allows fire and pressures and problems in our life, to strengthen us because he wants to give us clarity on the stuff that we spend time here with and the stuff that I'd say, if you're like me, that you spend most of your attention on, it's not fireproof. It'll be done with as soon as I'm done in this world. But what are the things that we pass on? So to make our unique contribution to God in the world, here's what we need to do. Number one, we need to risk it all with nothing to lose. Risk it all with nothing to lose. We should realize that we have nothing to lose but to make a bold contribution. Steve Jobs, anybody heard of him? Anybody have an Apple product on you? Steve Jobs, there you go. Uh, Steve Jobs said this, Remembering that you're going to die is the best way to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. That's somebody who in this world had a lot to lose by dying. His contributions live on long after him as we, as we see the, the technological developments and everything that he gave. But yet he had this ideology that if you think that you've got something to lose, then you're going you're gonna, to... I'll be afraid of death and other things. What if you really knew you only had one month to live? What if you really knew that? You would look at everything from a different perspective. Many things that you now spend so much time, energy, and attention on would just seem meaningless. All is meaningless, right? You would have clarity on what's most important. You wouldn't hesitate to risk your heart. You wouldn't put off tomorrow the things that you need today and if you didn't have an oh wow moment in the last month of your life, you will in the last moments of when you, you leave this world and go into eternity. Five seconds after you die, you will know exactly how you should have lived. If you're a Christ follower, you're going to be blown away by everything that you see in heaven and the indescribable nature of it. But you'll have total clarity about all the opportunities here on earth that we may have wasted 
So much what we spent our time was that wasn't worth a second of our life. And so much that we thought was so valuable that is just meaningless. That's why in heaven, um, we're told that it has streets of gold and, and pearly gates. We go, oh, pearly gates, streets of gold. No, it's to tell you that the things that we treasure the most are pavement in heaven. You got that? They're just pavement. Not many of us go and look at our, our driveways and go, whoa, look at that. I think I'll make a ring out of asphalt. You know, none of us do that because it, it, for us it's like, eh. But, and that's what the Lord's saying. Everything that we think is so valuable is just pavement and other things. So why wait till the last moment on earth? Why wait till the first minute of eternity? You know, five seconds of eternity, I'm going to tell you what you're going to think about. Me. It's not a narcissistic approach, but here we go. You're going to think, you're going to be really mad at me because you're going to think, why didn't Pastor Jack challenge me to spend more of my time, more of my finances, more of my energy, more of my care, more of my focus in doing something that really lasts? Why didn't he just really get into me and go, we need to do this because Jesus said it. Because so much of what I spent my time and energy and my life and my finances and care on was meaningless. Why didn't he just hammer me over the head with a 30-pound Bible and say, this is what Jesus says, don't waste your life, but invest your life. Well, you sort of kind of just did, all right? As your pastor, my goal at Haven Church is to prepare you for the final exam. And I'm a really good teacher, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the questions to the exam. Are you ready for this? Isn't that cool? Did you, did you ever like that where the teacher would say, here's the study guide, and you get like 10 questions, and... Seven of them are on the test, right? That kind of thing. Um, I'm going to give you all the questions. You ready? All right. You should know this. All right. So here we go. The first question that you're going to be asked in heaven, God's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? The answer is, I'm getting answers too. I accepted him. He is the only way. I couldn't make it into a perfect heaven because I'm totally imperfect and sinful and broken like everyone else. But I accepted your son, Jesus Christ. I humbled myself so that he could, make, uh, he could change my life and I could make it to heaven one day. And I get to heaven because Jesus freely gave himself in my place so I could. Everybody got that? You got it? All right, you got to believe it too. You can't just like cheat off the person next to you in line, all right? Like, like many of you did in, in school, I know, right? Um, the second question, here's number two. What did you do with your one and only life that's going to last forever? God wants to know, did you do anything with your time, the time I gave you, the resources I gave you, the energy I gave you, the talent I gave you to make a difference in the lives of others, to show and to share Christ with them? Got question two? You guys get that one? You seem like you're fading out there, all right? Number three, did you bring anybody to heaven with you? Did you share your faith with anyone? Did you do anything to do something that would bring people to heaven. Jesus said it, when you give a cold cup of water to someone, then you do it for him and it won't go unrewarded. Look at that last part of the passage of 1 Corinthians 3 and focus on the wor words it said, wood, hay, and straw, those are temporary things. Every moment on earth we're building with our lives and we choose the building materials we use. And we're either building eternal Materials are temporary. And then the words gold, silver, and costly stones are, are representative of eternal things. Something that lasts versus something that's temporal. All the time that we spend on things. All the time we, and energy we spend on things that are temporary. Material things and, and that are temporary. So much time and money, energies on houses, cars, clothes, and all that. All that stuff's going to go up in smoke. 
And there's nothing wrong with those things. We need those. We need to spend time on earth in those things. It's just that they're not going to last. They're not fireproof. Our accomplishments are temporary. Our achievements and awards are temporary. Our successes are temporary that are on earth. It's all temporary stuff. And by the way, I've been with people in the last month of their life or in their dying moments, in the last months of their lives. They've already realized and have a clarity on the things that are important. And those things that are important to them are relationships. They're, the things that are eternal are character and relationships. The relationship with God and other people. Because the souls of other people go on forever. I, I want to show you a picture here of um, starfish on a beach. And there's a story of a businessman. And he was visiting a resort community. And he left his hotel early one morning to go out on the beach. And as he he began to walk along. He came ac across a stunning sight of just tons of starfish on the beach. Countless starfish had washed up during the night and in high tide, and they were still alive and moving, and some were trying to crawl over each other to try to get back into the water because he knew that the sun would soon come out and bake these creatures on the beach. He wished he could do something, but there were so many of them there were thousands as far as the eye could see, and there was no way he could make a dent, so he started to move on on his way. Walking a little bit further, he came upon a little boy, and this little boy was leaning over, and he was scooping up a starfish and flinging it out like a Frisbee into the ocean. He kept doing it, one right after the other, one right after the other, after the other, and he was picking up speed, and he kept doing it, trying to throw as many starfish back in as he could. Once the man realized what the boy was doing, he felt that it was his obligation to really inform the boy the harsh realities of life. So he went up to the boy and he said, son, can I tell you something? What you're doing here is very noble, but you can't save all these starfish. There are thousands of them and the sun is beginning to get really hot and they're all going to die. You might as well just go on your way and play. You really can't make a difference here. The boy stared at him and looked at him and then he knelt down and he grabbed another one and he threw it out. He said, sir, you may be right that I can't save them all, but I made a difference for that one. How many of us are so overwhelmed by the fact that we can't save everybody that we don't save and help one? We've got to find one and each person reach one, being good stewards of what God has for us. So that's the first thing that we do. Risk it all to lose um, uh, for nothing to lose. The second all is give it all with everything to gain. In Matthew chapter 6, 19, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice it doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Your heart follows what you treasure. Now, notice that Jesus also doesn't say, don't store up treasure for yourself. He doesn't say that. He says, don't store up treasure for yourself here. Store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Storing up treasure for, your, for you on earth is simply this. You're going to lose it all. Every single penny things we store up. And this is the reality of life. This is one of the things I've learned very harshly with a lot of the best that I um, had with people. The things that were so important to every person before, we are all going to end up at one point, all the stuff that we treasure and all the stuff that we have, 
being at someone's yard sale or eventually on the, on the curb saying, with a sign that says free. Right? Anybody ever cleaned out somebody's house that you love? You take as much as you can and then you, go, you throw a lot away and then you go, let's have people come in and they can take it. All right? Not because you just don't treasure it because they did, but because they didn't take one of them with them. Mom had like 117 lighthouses. No, thank you. And somebody else has them now. Enjoy. She didn't take one of them with her. But she knew the lighthouse. His name is Jesus. How many of you like fireworks? Like fireworks? I got, I got a video up here of some fireworks that we'll, we'll see. Um, Fourth of July and um, New Year's fireworks, they're kind of cool. Um, anybody here spend, ever spent money on fireworks? Anybody ever spent too much money on fireworks? Um, you know, but fireworks are interesting. Um, you were kind of just lighting up money and let it burn, okay? Um, but they're kind of cool. You go to the the fireworks store across the border, um, and then you go ahead, you get, you get or the tent, um, you get some of those, you get some sparklers for the, for the kids or grandkids, so they can go and make the little signs like that, and you can too, and be a kid again. But um, all the while, if you go into those places, you might see those ones, and they have like the big cannon or the flying chicken or whatever it's called, you know, like those things, you like, you always look at those ones that are like, you know. And I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but like that, that little boy in you comes out that wants to blow stuff up, right? And you're like, hmm, that looks really fun. So you go ahead and you go ahead and you, you uh, spend a fortune on, on buying these things. And then you get them and you go ahead and you have it all set up. You may put a board down or something like that. And you go over and then you, they're really fun, you know, seeing things, they're shooting off like this. And you light, light them up and then you run away like this. And you're hoping that it lights up. Because at that moment you go, you know, you don't want to blow any body parts off, right? You, you go ahead and do that, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 you go, and you wait a little bit, and you say, okay, that one's done, and you move it away, and you put some other one on, and you run back over, like, boom, 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 like, yay, and you keep doing this. Meanwhile, the people are going, this sparkler stinks, you know, because um, you're lighting all this stuff up, and there's something really awesome about, you, you know when people are lighting off fireworks, right? You see it, you hear it. You know, when your neighbors are doing it, and you, you do that, and, and then there's always the big grand finale, right? Where anybody ever tried to do your own grand finale? It's a little bit harder than when they're they hitting the buttons, but you go, and you're like, shh, shh, and you go over, it's like, boom, 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 smoke, 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 boom, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. Bang! I was at one place one time, and we were standing on the porch, and went, boom, right against the walls, ah, you know, and, and it's like all over the place, and everybody, what do you do after the grand finale, and the smoke's going, and you go, Woo! Right? Does anybody do that? Okay. Um, and so everybody goes, yay! And then you had all this greatness for a few seconds. And then there's a big mess. And you're just picking up trash everywhere. And your neighbor says, hey, can you mind coming over and picking up the trash that blew this way? And so you pick it up, you clean it up, and that's it. A lot of people are shooting fireworks with their lives. It looks amazing. It looks impressive. It looks huge. It gets people's attention. Wow, look at that person's sex. Wow, look at that person's wealth. Wow, look at how famous they are. Wow, look at all their talents. Woohoo! And their fireworks going off. But we're really watching people's lives go up in smoke if they aren't rooted in Jesus Christ. 
because it's temporal and it's just burning up. What are you doing with your one and only life? Are you doing something that's going to last for eternity or are you just shooting off fireworks? When we commit to the one month to live lifestyle every day, we can live passionately, we can love completely, we can learn humbly, and we can leave a bold legacy. We embrace and embody by living this one month to live lifestyle, the great commandment. Loving God with every single thing that we have and it's displayed by how we love others. We love others in how we impact the world for Christ and praying for the hurting people on the other side of the world and in our community. We begin caring about people we never even thought of. We want to learn more about the details of their lives. We want them to know the grace, the love, and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We want them to experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We want human trafficking to stop and have us stop acting like it doesn't exist. We find a connection to others who we never would have connected with if it wasn't for the simple fact that we're in the same family, the family of God. We're more mindful of what we have and how we can use it and why we've been entrusted to it. You may know the name Oscar Schindler. Oscar Schindler, up until the movie Schindler's List, many people did not remember or know the name. Oscar Schindler during World War II, was a German businessman. And at, at, the, um, at the point of his wealth, his highest wealth back in the 40s was upwards of $14 million. And yet, he used every single resource he had to save lives, Jewish lives, from the Nazi regime. Oscar Schindler died penniless and broke. He spent his entire fortune on saving lives. And he is the only Nazi, because he's recognized as a Nazi, that is buried in Israel and Mount Zion, overlooking Jerusalem. I want to show this brief clip from the movie so that you can see what I believe God wants us to do.
This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for it. At least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. A person is there. For this. I could have gone. One more person. And I didn't. How many of us in our lives are grieving that one more person for Christ? One more person. That my life, everything I have could be one more person. There are estimated 15 million Jews in the world today. 15 to 20,000 of them owe their lives to the sacrifice of Oscar Schindler, who died penniless, and he requested that he be buried in Israel, and he said... My children are there. What about you? What about you? How do you want to live your life? Jim Elliott from the end of the spear, the one who lost his life, going to the people to share with them the love of Christ, was murdered by them. His son went back and now that person, his murder is a Christian and they go around the world talking about the goodness of God. Jim Elliott said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's so true. You've got nothing to lose and you've got everything to gain. And winding down, the scripture says in Isaiah 64, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hands. God has given each person here, and in the sound of my voice, time, talent, and treasure. And I challenge you to use every single thing that you have to leave a bold legacy in your life. Amen? All right, let's stand and let's... Worship the Lord here today. And just think about what we've talked about in this one month to live. In your life, are you living passionately? Are you living passionately in your life? Or are you... Uh, are you loving completely? Are you learning humbly? And if today was the last day, or if tomorrow you woke up and you pulled open the Cecil wig and they mixed you up with someone else, after the shock, what would the headlines say? We're given an opportunity by God because he's not done with us yet because in this world because we still have breath. What people say about you, oh, that was a, a kind person or that was a person who loved the Lord and displayed it in life. That's a person who I could always depend on for, for just knowing that, that they would always be there and be dependable. So someone who I knew that said, hey, um, when I asked him to pray, I knew they would pray. When they said, I'm praying for you, they meant it. Or like a, a pastor I knew in lower, um, lower Delaware that when you run into him in the store and say, hey, I need you to pray for me, he'd stop and kneel right in the middle of the store and start praying for you. That's a legacy. I have many people in my life who are legacies, who've left a lasting legacy on my life. And I, I was thinking about Elijah and Elisha, how 
Elisha could have asked for anything, and he asked for a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had. Why did he do that? Because he knew the legacy that happened on his life because of Elijah. And he just wanted to pass that on and share the love of God to so many. How many of you are moved with compassion that you look at your life and say, what do I have to get one more? One more in the kingdom. What about people that I love that are close to me? What about the person that I've lived next door to or sat in, a, in, a, in an office next to? And they don't know anything about the goodness of God or how much he's done in my life. Would they just talk about, if I passed away, would they just talk about how much of a great coworker I was or a miserable coworker I was or whatever? Or would they say, man, that was somebody who had something that, that I wanted. That was somebody who had a love and a connection to God through Jesus Christ. And it was the, the rock of their lives. So let's just bow our heads right now. God, we, we come to you and I pray that this one month to live series and, and challenge will become a lifestyle for us. That we will just exist in each and every day looking for opportunities where you want us to live passionately, love completely, learn humbly so that we can leave a bold legacy, something that will outlast our lives. God, I pray for everybody in our, our, our field of contact that they will they will experience the love that we have for you. They'll experience the joy that we have in you. That when, when we deal with pain, pressures, and problems, that people will recognize they don't crush us, but they cause us to grow because we lean into you all the more. So, Father, just be very present in our lives. There, there may be somebody here today that what they heard was, I don't want to face the great white throne of judgment. I don't want to see my life displayed and and that scares me. And there's one way to not have that happen, and that's just to say, all right, Jesus, you're it. I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'm going to challenge uh, myself to follow you. And I'm going to give my heart and life to you today and just say, here I am. Work in my life. And let the Lord do that in your life in just an amazing and powerful, powerful way. For others, you've, you're like, I don't have to face that great white throne of judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ where he wants to see what you passed on and who else is there with you. and What have you done for me? How, if I took that test today in front of the Lord, would I pass and would I get, would I pass for flying colors or there's a lot of areas where I'm missing? God, we all fall short of your glory. So we thank you that you tell us to go, and to teach, and to love, and that you will be there with us. So Lord, in the midst of this room, Whatever may be going on in someone's heart and mind, I ask that you speak to each one of us. For those who are accepting you for the first time, not all heaven rejoices and we will with them. And maybe if you want to pray with somebody, there's people in the front and in the back that will be available for you. Just, just to help come alongside you in the journey. And for others, Lord, we just... Ask that you renew in us the right spirit, that maybe we've wasted too much of our time and put too much faith in other things. And now we just want to put things in perspective in those things that are eternal. God, during this time, those of us who call Haven our home and, and look at this as our church, we, we take this time to give back, give back a portion and using the resources that you've given to us so that we can impact our community and larger world. 
I thank you for a church that is so giving and loving of those they may never meet until they get to heaven. So God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon these gifts and upon um, your tithe and offering. For those visiting, we do not expect you to give. We want you to receive what God has for you. We serve a great God. And we know that you are going to make an amazing way. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Day in history. There on a cross they made for sinners. For every curse his blood atoned. One final breath and it was finished. But not the end we could have known. For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn What sacrifice was made As the heavens roared Oh, hail King
Amen. Oh, hell, King Jesus. Have a great week. God bless you. Love you all. Stay safe out there. Stay dry and enjoy your day. God bless.